0: to turn, uh, open up God's Word to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians uh, chapter 3, the Apostle Paul inspired of God. We'll look at uh, almost the full chapter. Uh, Ephesians uh, 3, we're talking about uh, uh, the purposes of the church. And um, the purposes of the church, we'll get to in just a moment, but first the mission of the church. What is our our mission, and this wouldn't be just our particular church, but uh, but most any church should be able to say something akin to this. Our mission is, if we as we have articulated as, as Grace Presbyterian here on the South Shore, our mission is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus who reach for God's purposes in the transforming power of the gospel. Our mission is to make disciples of the Lord Jesus who reach for God's purposes in the transforming power. Power of the gospel. What are those purposes? What, what are the, the, the purposes of the church? Well, you see in the order of service, we've got the, the little handout there. And for those of you at home, we've got a slide that, uh, that captures this wheel diagram. And uh, if you look there in that wheel diagram, we talk about our overarching purposes, the glory of God. That's what we seek to do to glorify God. We've got listed there also our mission but the purposes are captured in this wheel diagram in the, the word reach, the verb reach. Our upreach and worship, our in-reach in community, our outreach on mission, and then downreach in discipleship. And we have different values and different things that we seek uh, to see manifest in that. But I, I want to just mention yet again so important to say what is at the hub, what is central to all of this. It is the gospel, the good news of Jesus, the word of God, which reveals to us, uh, what a gift that we have revealed to us, uh, that Jesus, the overarching uh, main focus of God's word, the word of God made flesh dwelling amongst us, it's the person and work of Jesus that really is the heart of who we are and what we do. Yes, we enjoy the spirit of Jesus, uh, the, the spirit of God that is given to the church that brings power, the Spirit of God, we talked about that last week. It's one of the reasons that we want to be a people of prayer is that it flows out of that all around the things that we seek to do and fulfill is, is prayer. At the, at the core is, is, is Christ. We're anchored in this good news. It's, it's a good news that in the early church, united people, giving them a new identity, gave them a new hope, it gave them a new future. Same for us. It gives us new purpose. It gives us a new family. Right? A new family. The early church experienced this in rich ways. The, uh, the, the people coming from all different forms of, of background, different people, peasants and, and, uh, and wealthy leaders. There were Jews, there were Greeks, there were, there were people who were educated, others who were very simple. All united around the person and work of Jesus. Well, I invite you again to stand in deference to God's word. Ephesians 3.6. As I mentioned earlier, inspired of God, Paul writes this, reminding them at the opening that he's a prisoner for the sake of the gospel, but he writes to them of the mystery of Christ. He says in verse 6, hear this, God's word, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal promise, purpose, excuse me, that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you the strength with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, now to Him who is able to do far more abundantly, then all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Chapter 4, verse 1. I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. With all humility, gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body, one spirit. Just as you were called to one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. This is God's word. You may be seated. Join me in prayer if you would. Father, I pray simply that right now, it's not simple, it's a profound thing that you would use your word, that you would be in my speaking and you would be in our hearing, so that in some measure... To the extent and to the place and to the purpose that you would know and, and, and see and foresee. Your kingdom would come and your will would be done in hearts and minds and lives. Today, right now, in Christ we pray. Amen. Paul writes to a church uh, in Ephesus. It was a port city, a, a city of, of great learning and, uh, and all kinds of a variety of culture. And uh, in Ephesus, at the, at the center there was the temple of the goddess Artemis. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world, man-made wonders of the ancient world. Is it there today? Well, I, Ephesus is, and it's, it's ruins, but the temple is completely shattered. Maybe a few columns here and there. Most of the rubble that's left over was, was used to build roads and other buildings, even uh, places of, of meetings for churches. The Ephesian Christians lived in the shadow, though, at that time, of this great temple. Well, where's the, where's the worship of Artemis? Where is that today? Well, just like the building, it's faded, it's folded, it's gone. But nevertheless, of course, it still carries on. It's been supplanted and replaced with the worship of other false, empty, vain gods. Little g. That's that's true, but I mean, they're subtle. They still exist to this very day. All of these different deities sometimes. Where's the temple? Faded, folded. Where's the worship? Well, it's just morphed. But not so the church. Not so the church. The church, when we think of the church, we're not speaking of a building. Uh, We're not not speaking merely of an institution. We're thinking of an organism. The, the, The descriptions in Scripture of the church is something that is living and active because we worship a living God that is working in the lives and hearts, individuals living, who are gathered and then sent out and scattered, this living entity the church, still here today. Do, why, why, do why do we have this great hope that this will continue on? Why has it continued on for thousands of years? Well, because Christ promised. He said in Matthew 16, 18, I, He said to Peter, speaking of Peter's faith, On you I will build this rock, I will build my church and the gates of even hell. All the, all the demonic powers and opposition cannot prevail against her, the church. That's a great hope. It's a great promise. We see this this carried on. And it's one of the reasons that Paul says here in our text that it's uh, chapter 3, verse 10. He says, so through the church, the church, the manifold wisdom of God is made known. Then at verse 21 of chapter uh, 3, he says this, that God's glory will be made known in the church. He's saying something. He wants them. He wants us. He he desires that Christians everywhere down through the ages would grasp something, comprehend something, the manifold wisdom, the riches of the glory of Christ, even yet for those who are not yet followers of Christ. Several things can be said about uh, the promises and the things truth revealed in this passage. I just want to highlight two of them as they pertain to our purpose. As a church, we should be about in-reach and outreach. And so here are the two points simply that there is a community that we see here and that's an in reach deep and then there is also mission in view here which is outreach wide. First of all, community, in-reach deep. The early church cared for one another. They had common unity. We call it community but it's common unity that's centered around something, no more importantly someone. Jesus, it wasn't just that they, they had this basis of unity that was past experiences or present shared values or morality or, or, or future goals. No, it was again, like I said, at the hub of our church as we've described it, is the person and work of Jesus, the message of the gospel. That's what they, That's where they were rooted. The, the, the verbiage is used here of a body, meaning you know, Again, organism, body, many members and parts under one head, who Christ is described as the head of the church. We are members, He is the head. And they are to be, His desire, His prayer, Paul writes, if you look at verse 17, that they would be rooted and grounded in love. Those images are, are meant to be something, right? Like, I, and, and maybe it elicits something for you. It clearly elicits something in my mind. We were, uh, you know, working, you know, during the early days of, of kind of, you know, at homestay on different projects, cutting down trees, tons of roots uh, around the, the yard. Well, even, even before that, I remember one of the reasons that I was happy to have a tractor was to take out this big root that was kind of half rooted at the beginning of our driveway, it was pretty ugly. I'm sure there's more than a couple of people, maybe my wife was one of them, that recommended we just cover it over with some mulch. But it was pretty nasty looking, and I wanted to get it out. And I wanted to have a reason to use power tools, so I get out the chainsaw and the, the axe. And let me tell you, it involved all of them. A chain, a tractor, a backhoe, people pushing, shovels, digging. This thing, it didn't seem all that big, but as you begun to dig and see the roots, it was just, it was just crazy involved to get this out. And, and then I think of, of, of the verbiage here of grounded, right? What does it mean to be, to be grounded? This is, this is interwoven deep down beneath the surface, beneath what we can even observe or appreciate sometimes. I remember with our workshop, I, I hired an electrician to come out and wire things up. And one of the last things he had to do was take this rod. And he was standing there with a, a 10-foot copper rod. And he says, we just have to get this in the ground. And I said, I've been doing some digging around here, and you're not going to just tap that into the ground. Oh, I got a big hammer. I'm telling you, it doesn't matter. There's tons of rock around here. And, of course, it did involve, again, another trip with the tractor, uh, the backhoe, and lots of digging and and manipulating and kind of, it probably ended up being kind of twisted. Who knows? But we got the eight feet because the, the inspector has to come out for a safe... The inspection of an electrical system, it has to be eight feet touching and and accessing the ground beneath. We're never getting that thing out. You imagine this, right? The love of Jesus cultivates something. To know the love of Jesus truly is to know love for people. The love of God, he's saying, which surpasses knowledge, the love of God is so in Christ, manifested in Jesus, is so profound, is so amazing, that we, he's saying, I'm praying that you actually have strength to comprehend it. To, to wrap your mind, not even wrap it around, but just to get a glimpse of the love of God, he's saying, I pray that you would have, well, let's look at it. What does he say? He says, you need, verse 18, strength to comprehend And don't don't miss this this phrase here. Very important. That you would have strength together with all the saints, as some translations say. But it says to comprehend with all the saints the breadth and length and height and depth of the Lord. You actually need a group of people illustrating, living, walking alongside, articulating to understand and comprehend with their voices and their life the love of God. Now this is a love that is not in theory. This is not some, some future love. It's not a sentiment. It's a verb. It's action. This is a love that is in no way shallow and is an altogether deep and sincere love. And that, that's why at the opening of the next chapter, chapter 4, he says at verse 2 that he, his desire is that they would be bearing with one another in love. To understand and comprehend the love of God, vertical, and then for that to be applied horizontally. naturally it should work that way. Friends, nothing this is to them nothing has changed. In that calling, there's an opportunity for us to reach deep with the love of God, not, not, not our love, but God's love flowing in and through us now. There's a lot that I could say, and I want to illustrate this, at least in part, about the love of God. What does it look like? When it it takes shape and, and form, and it begins to flow and operate, here's just a few areas that come to mind for me. It would mean that we would be a people. It obviously assumes context, that we know one another, that we're involved with one another's lives, that we understand something about one another, but that it would be manifest... In three things, this love. Speaking, serving, and sharing. Speaking, serving, sharing. Speaking, and I don't mean speak, and I, what I mean by speaking is speaking the truth. Speaking the truth to one not, That doesn't mean the absence of gossip. It means speaking, challenging one another with promises and warnings from God's word. Speaking the truth in love. Serving one another. And I don't mean serving just in response to a plea or a request, but serving in a way that anticipates the need ahead of time. Have you seen this? And then then sharing. Time and again, we've seen this this, this example in the early church. They're persecuted, they're opposed, they're not well-loved, they still associate with one another, they're still gathering and gathering and gathering, and they know one another, and they... They share. They are giving people. I've seen it here. I've seen it in this this congregation. Generous giving. And I think generosity is is one of the most beautiful things in all of humanity. To me, personally. I love it. I love it when we've made known requests. And in one Sunday, thousands of dollars come into our Deacons and Mercy Fund. I love that. I love that. That is love. And it's not just financial. It's not less than that, but it's more than that. Even this past week, I mean, I get get to be the recipient of this. Our family, praise God, is completely recovered. But you guys in the midst of all that, I mean, within like a few short hours, people are coming over to our house as we've been recovering from COVID, bringing groceries and, and, and meals. Thank you. It means so much. We didn't ask for it. I know the Troys would say the same. Thank you. And yet I want to dig even deeper. Rooted and grounded in love is more than sharing your time. It's more than sharing your talents. It's more than than sharing your your treasures, your your financial resources. You say, well, that kind of covers it all, doesn't it, Troy? No. To be rooted and grounded in love is to share even more than that. Rosaria Butterfield who's an author who writes a a lot about hospitality, which is my other favorite thing in addition to generosity. And Zeria Butterfield, she says this, in true community, I love this quote, in true community, you learn not only to share your resources, but also to share your needs. Do do you articulate that? Do do we express that? Do we talk to, I need prayer, I need help, I need accountability, I I need encouragement, I need need words, I need reminders, I need help, I I need someone to come help me. Practically, financially, emotionally, something, whatever. It's, it's more blessed to give than receive. Let, let it be known the need so that others can respond and give. To, to let our needs be known. I need help with this, this struggle, this sin. I need insight. I need, I need someone to walk with me. But to do that, it takes humility. One of the reasons, no surprise to us, that Ephesians 4.2... Paul says that they would do this with humility and gentleness. Because we need to share our burdens with one another. And you don't do that without humility. We we need to quit faking it. We're not not independent. We are interdependent. the, The language of this chapter, the language of this whole letter that he writes to the church in Ephesus speaks to that interdependency. Not an evil word, by the way as the church manifests the love, as we go deep in in-reach community. So we have this deep reach with family, with community, and, and in-reach with love, but we also have to go wide. I think we, that's in view here as well. Wide on mission. So let's move to the next point, this other reach. Mission, outreach, wide. Christ's riches, Paul writes here, are unsearchable. His love is is. is so vast beyond knowledge. But then he closes, uh, you know, chapter 3, verse 18 and 19, with these spatial terms when he talks about love. And John Stott, who's a commentator, was a British preacher. He says this, The love of Christ, hear this quote, is broad enough to encompass all mankind, meaning Jews and Gentiles. It's long enough to last for eternity. The love of God is deep enough to reach the most degraded sinner and it's high enough to exalt Him to heaven. Now, the early church obviously went wide. It it expanded out. We see this, the gospel that Jesus intended, uh, you know, when we studied the book of Acts last year and and previous, we saw how it expanded out. I mean, rapidly to, to... to, uh, to Gentiles and to other uh, parts of the, of the world, in the Mediterranean world and even even beyond. To the nations, it was expanding rapidly. This was hard for some Jewish believers to grasp, to swallow, to understand. That's the reason, part of the reason Paul wrote the book of Romans, to underst- help them understand. It's part of what we read recorded by Luke and Acts, that the gospel is expanding. But Jewish believers who had come to Christ had a hard time imagining that it went out to the other nations, but it was, it was God's intent. That's why verse 9, Paul knows what part of his mission is. He says, And to bring light for everyone, what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God? Everyone. The light goes out. Why? The next verse answers that question. Verse 10, So that through the church, look at verse 10, "...the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places." That word, the, the manifold, which is, it can be translated or understood the multifaceted or the multicolored. This word is the same word, the manifold wisdom of God. The manifold is something that even describes, it's applied to things uh, like flowers or a structure, multi-sided, multi-faceted, multi-colored, And that is the church. As, as God, in the mystery that he has, intended that there would be this diverse community that would be, as maybe here's an image, a theater to display the wisdom and the beauty of the gospel, of Christ working. As it flows out. Now, who is the audience, right? So that the rulers and authority in the heavenly realm. The heavenly realm, or the, when we talk about heavens so often, we're, we're, the scriptures are not referring to some ethereal realm so much as just the skies. But here, the audience is these rulers and authorities, meaning the, the angelic beings that we cannot see, who know full well, whether they're fallen or holy, they know full well the power of God. But now they stand here looking at God's plan unfolding at the church and they go, that's the wisdom of God. These people are actually... I'm sure the fallen angels said, "I I thought that the division would be so easy to work with, but now they're unified Jews and Greeks. Followers around Jesus. The wisdom of God. But this is where I think inreach and outreach actually work so beautifully together because the love and the unity that that Jesus and here Paul is speaking of and commending to us is where with inreach that is is seen that the care and the love that goes deep is also on display to others outside of the community but th- but that love is something to be seen and then something to be Shared in community. We live in community and cultivate our purposes to live out the gospel with this component of witness and mission. It's it's not just with the words of the speaker that mission is accomplished or, or on display. It's also with the witness of the body. My best friend in college was a guy named Bubba. And uh, he, he was... Uh, he he taught me how to fish, and I taught him how to use a shotgun, which is a little bit of a strange thing for a guy named Bubba. Uh, but uh, Bubba, Bubba, one day was out fishing. He was very well known, well loved. He was quickly became the captain of you know a D one college basketball team at our college, and uh, but Bubba's life was empty. He he did he had heard the gospel before uh, at some you know at some point, but he was he was living. For himself and that alone, and he would do any and everything. He was living a worldly lifestyle, godless, and, and he was empty. And he was out fishing on the, the, the lake at our, our uh, college campus. And a guy named Randy, one of my uh, buddies, came up to him and said, Bubba, what are you doing? Like, it wasn't obvious. But no, what are you doing this weekend? We're all going on a Christian retreat. Why don't you just come with us? So on Friday afternoon, he dropped his fishing pole back at the dorm room and went with us and a large group of other Christians who were learning and worshiping God that weekend. And Bubba's life was completely turned upside down and changed. And he would say that part of it was that now he began to see the gospel lived out with these people's lives. He saw the church in action, and he couldn't deny. He, he, he saw it so powerfully, and God's spirit was at work through the witness of the body and the word of God which he heard that weekend. in reach and outreach. The temptation, though, as we enjoy the sweetness of fellowship and in reach and community is we think in-reach out, we think that one, we cling to one to the exclusion of another. Well, we, we, need, to be, we need to preserve this. We got a good thing. We, we don't need to, to give this up. But when you experience something good in community, yes, you may want to preserve it and protect it, but you don't want to you know, jeopardize anything at all. It's just like a friendship. You think, well, this is a good friendship. You know, I don't, I don't want anyone else to come into this, this friendship and mess things up. But the sweetest friendships and community are not closed. They're open. This is, this is part of the, the responsibility and the opportunity of sharing because the sweetest things that we enjoy are, are only sweeter because we shared them. And I don't mean cheering for the same team or having a really awesome tailgater. That's shallow. I'm talking about something deep. I know we, we may we may be tempted to think, but it, but if I if I add to it, won't that detract or, sub, or subtract? And no, it doesn't. The application I would say for us is is simply this. To, to my point with with Bubba, and that is the power of a simple invitation whether it pertains to inreach or outreach will you will you come over will you pray for me can you help me will you come to church with me will will you will you read this passage of scripture will you let me know a way that i could serve you or pray for you two things i want to leave you with and con- just to consider this illustration of community and mission two two images again Uh, One is a fountain and the other is a family. A fountain is the true and deeper, there are other places to access water, but a fountain is the truest, sweetest, deep source of water. And Jesus used this, this imagery in John 4 when he says this, and Jesus said to this woman, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give you will become to him a spring. In other words, a fountain of water dwelling up to eternal life, welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. The woman at the well, I encourage you to go read it. John 4. A fountain flowing deep and wide because we are a people connected to Jesus, the living water. And then this imagery of family. What is a family? A family is a place where you get to presume. (laughs) Right? Some of you are like, I know and I hate it. People... Who know you family very well, and yet it's hard to reject you. You may say, Troy, I, all that you're talking about with love is is uh, that seems really re- unrealistic as it applies to the church. It seems excessive, perhaps idealistic. The only time that you see people in the world who are 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 sharing with generosity and humility and even sacrifice is people who are sharing with family. And I would say, you're right. But who is family? What is family? For some of you who are, who are reading the Community Bible Reading Journal, you may have picked up on this this past week. But in Luke, the Gospel of Luke chapter 8, they say to Jesus, you're, hey, your mom and your brother outside. And Jesus uses the occasion to illustrate something. He says, who is my mother and my brother. But him who does my will. Now, I know how we, we operate. We think about family in very narrow terms, right? You know, blood relatives, genetics, cousins, you know, immediate or, or otherwise family, nuclear family. But Jesus was using that occasion To enlarge our view of what a family is. The interesting thing is, is that it still is based on blood. It's the blood of Jesus that unites real brothers and sisters in Christ because we're all needy sinners who require His blood to be made clean, and united to God as our Father and others, our brother and sister. The world is broken. The church is too. (laughs) But perhaps, no, in fact, because of these two deep realities, fountain and family, Jesus, in Jesus, we can do community. We can do mission. We can do commission, the great commission that he gave to us, Acts 1. The resurrected Jesus, before he ascends, he turns to them and he gives this promise and this invitation and this command. And he says, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit. And what? The power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem... These are concentric circles, hear this, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And that's the outline of the book of Acts as it expands. And we're still living in that. The witness began, and the witness begins for you and for me in our own Judea, our own network of friends, coworkers, neighbors, people that we run into on a regular basis. Those are the people that we are on mission to see go wide it starts there, but then it goes beyond that, and we pray for our nation, and we, we see it goes even beyond that to the, the other parts of the world. That's why we support missionaries like Colin and Zuri in Western Africa. And by the way, it's working. I mean, we, we, we may despair of it and, and think otherwise, and indeed we need to pray for uh, revival and renewal in New England, but the church is not being hindered, and the promise still stands. Because you go to other places like China or South America and the gospel is exploding and the church is growing at an incredible pace. But where do we start in our own Judea? Where do we start to see this mission go deep and wide? Well, these are some things that I've given people over the years to consider. Some of these you'll, you'll see how they sound very pre-COVID. Number one, pray. Pray for one or two people. People that you know, maybe people that you're about to know and meet. Pray for them. God would be stirring by the power of His Spirit to raise questions, to to stir curiosity about who He is. Second thing I would say is invite to church, and if not that, begin exposing them to the body of Christ. Whenever we have an, an occasion, a a meal or a gathering down the road, a social gathering. One of the reasons that we pray for COVID to end was we gather that we would actually intentionally invite people outside of our church to be around people who are, who are inside of our church. I mean, I, 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 want to, I want to see that. I want them to see that. Invite people to read the Bible with you or just to investigate the claims of Christ in the Gospel of John. Here's our hope, Jesus flowing deep and wide, in reach, outreach. Jesus, in addition, by the way, to the promise that he had that he would build his church in Matthew 16, here's the other promise, and I close reading this back to our text, Ephesians 3. What does it say here? Now, Paul says, verse 20, chapter 3, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout, throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Pray with me. Father, uh, we are reminded in this passage of the unsearchable riches of Christ. And, and the unity and the love that flows from that. Thank you, Lord, you know our hearts even better than we do. You know that in our sin and our pride and our, our unbelief in our stubborn independence... We've been fools. We've been unloving. Lord, would you please forgive us, God, and woo us by your Spirit back to that foundational, glorious message of the gospel again and again, even this very week. And I do pray, God, that you would work and apply this message, Holy Spirit, to everyone here, beginning with me. Lord, would you, you, you've raised up a beautiful congregation here at Grace. This is my family. Lord, I love them. They love one another. They love you. And I pray that you would accompany our church with the power of your Holy Spirit that we might fulfill our mission in response to your great faithfulness, not just for seasons ahead, but for generations. Lord, teach us obedience and prayer. Teach us, teach the young ones, use us to teach the young ones in our church to do the same. Lord, it's no surprise that we, we're still troubled, nevertheless, that we live in a society and a time that's very fractured and confused. There's much anger. There's mu- there, there are many threats. There's people that are being villainized. Lord, would you please be merciful to bring some measure, whatever means you would choose to, and begin with us, humility and love and peace Capture, Lord, we pray. Hearts for you, Lord. We know there are many sicknesses and diseases, and that's nothing new since the fall. But COVID is right now looming large. We pray that you would press it back. That you would use whatever means through medicine and various leaders and logistics and details and science and research to bring relief and and healing. Lord, we long for the day when this pandemic will end for a variety of reasons. Glorify yourself in the process and give us patience. Lord, we pray uh, today and especially this week for our soon-to-be President-elect Joe Biden. We pray for his whole administration. Lord, give them, mercifully, give them direction, give them wisdom for a very difficult job. Lord, we know that there are leaders across this nation. There's Some that are newly elected, there's there's leaders across this globe who need strength and insight and sensitivity. Lord, please provide through them, for them, bless them, Lord, we pray. Thank you, God, for answered prayer, for bringing health and stability to various members of our church family. Pray for recovery and Encouragement for those who are struggling emotionally and with loneliness, with, uh, with COVID, the effects of it, with cancer, with other ailments. Lord, you know, with grief, thank you for hearing our prayers and comforting many in our midst who are in the throes of some of that mourning and grief. Lord, would you please work through our church that we might be a worshiping community and we would gather more worshipers who, in their knowing and being and doing, all of us would be shaped more into the image of Jesus. For we pray even now.